1 Peter chapter 2. Keep telling everybody we're going to pick up the pace, and at some point we will. <laughs> I apologize in advance. Actually, I talked to Pastor Carl this week. I was like, this area of scripture you'll see once we start, um, there's just four topics and I was really trying to have an opportunity to do all of them in one service, um, and I, I just felt like I couldn't. And then my wife was like, well, why don't you, just, can you just teach it like at a fifth grade level? And um, <laughs> no disrespect to you guys, of course, but she was talking just, you know, can we kind of like, and I was like, really, I, I don't think I can. Um, and so I was praying, and it just kind of, I felt like the door closed on that side. So we're going to do... Half the study tonight, and then we'll do the half, the other half, and actually in a couple weeks is when I'm back um, for that. So um, the title for the message tonight will be Submit for God, and that'll be the title tonight. You'll understand that here quickly. Submit for God um, will be the title for the message this evening, and we're going to open up. Um, actually, I'd like to read the, the area of Scripture first, and then we'll pray, and then we'll start the service from there. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the, among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers Fear God and honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled the insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who justifies, who judges justly, sorry. He himself bore our sins and in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Father, we thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for, Lord, I consider it a privilege to be able to teach your word, God. I pray that... Um, Lord, that you would just empty me of me and that the Holy Spirit would take over as far as the service. 
Oh, that your words would be my words. I pray for those that have taken their time to come out this evening, God, that they, that whatever need that they have, Lord, whatever desire that they have in you, whether it's a word from you, God, or whether it's a hug from another believer, whether it's just knowing that there are other believers in this area, and God, that you would touch each one of us this evening. Let us know that you are here in our presence, and, and God, that we would just truly love you and to know you better when we leave this place. And we ask this in your name, amen. So in the previous weeks that we've talked, and it kind of seems kind of forever at this point, uh, maybe to some of you, but this is the fifth week actually we've been in First Peter. Um, so the a re- quick review of the previous weeks that we've done so far is um, Peter has told us a lot that we've learned. The first week we learned again that we were elected, that we were chosen by God. Um, we also learned that we have an inheritance in heaven. That inheritance is his salvation, and that, again, it was salvation was something that we didn't earn. It's not something that we um, could possibly have done to, to earn up the respect or find our, have redemption within our own abilities that could only be found in the blood of Jesus Christ. Peter also challenged us to be holy. Remember, again, it was the fact, of, again, of living a lifestyle that was holy. Again, not sinless. It's impossible for us to be sinless but it's possible for us to have a desire to live a holy life, for us to be able to look at the, the lifestyle that we're living and to try to not do sinful things, to steer away from the, the areas in our life that maybe that we know are gonna cause problems or there's gonna be certain temptations. Maybe there's people in your life. Maybe there's events in your life that you just know I just need not to be part of that anymore. Why? Because it's going to cause a temptation in my life that I'm not really sure that I'm able to overcome that. We were desired to be holy because he is holy. Again, we explained as far as the fact that if we were the family of God and if we were believers, and then, again, I use it as explanations of my family, if you were a Sullivan, then there's certain expectations that our kids have that, that you're going to live a certain way. There's certain ways that my wife and I should live. Why? Because we're the same Sullivan. You know, that there's a, there's a desire that as we continue to walk our walk that we want others to be able to do that too, not so that we glorify the name Sullivan, but we glorify the name of God. So the same requirement then is of us as if we are truly children of God and we have a desire to live like him, well, we need to be holy just like he is holy. We need to kill off those things that, that are causing us to stumble and, and, and causing problems within our life. We also found out last week that we're living stones, that we're part of a, a royal priesthood. Again, we, we are the church. We're that capstone or we're that corner piece that, that God is continuing to, to use us and to build off of Jesus Christ to create his church. And so it's no longer a temple that we come to. It's no longer a building that we have to go to. Again, it's not the, the four walls of this room that we have in here but it's the fact that we are the church. We're a royal priesthood. We get to go out and do good deeds in the name of the Lord. We get to worship him and we give him spiritual gifts because he alone is worthy of those. And so we have taken that over. Why? Not because, again, of the ability that we have within our own flesh, but again, it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed us clean. And so because of that, then I'm allowed to be in the throne room of God. Because of that, I'm able to approach God and and give him my petitions and pray to him and talk to him. Again, not because Kevin is a nice guy or he does good things. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed me clean. It has allowed me to be a part of that spiritual church. 
And this week, as, as Peter is going on, he's going to challenge, I can promise you, each one of us this evening. Each one of us will be challenged. Each one of us will be poked in some way that maybe you're not ready for. Maybe it's something that you struggle with. Um, it's a message, quite honestly, that I prayed for ahead of time because I know that there's just certain topics at times that kind of maybe challenge us of where we're at. And so hopefully that's not the case, but you have been prayed for already before you showed up this evening. Starts off in verse 11 and it says, Peter saying, it says, dear friends, I urge you. And again, I urge you, and we'll stop here. Is It's kind of like Pastor Carl ex exhorting us or encouraging us. And Peter's, like, again, he's stopping at the very beginning of the sentence saying, listen, I, I want you guys to know something. I, I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you in this, this area that I'm about to talk to you about. He says, I urge you as foreigners and ex exiles. Again, we mentioned that in verse one at the very beginning, the first one. That Again, we're, this is not our home, that we are foreigners and that we're exiles, that this is not the place that we, that we call home. Heaven is our home. He was, again, talking to an area in Turkey, and there was five different churches that he was writing to, and again, it's just exhorting them, the fact that as foreigners and ex exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul and to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may say your, see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. And, and like them, we are not of this world. Paul states in, um, Apostle Paul in, in Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. Again, too many times we get confused and we get so focused on the things around us, which is understandable. You know, I, I've admitted to the Lord, I, I struggle with the fact that there's probably times I love my wife and my kids more than him. And I'm just being honest. Why? Because they're there. I, I, they, have, they have my heart. I, I, I do everything for them. I would do anything for them. It's hard to, to separate the fact of how much I love my wife and my kids to a God that I, I believe in and I trust in. And, and trust me, I do. But he, he's not there that I can physically touch. And so sometimes we get confused in this world that we're in that it is kind of hard to, to differentiate between the fact of <clears throat> I want a little bit nicer house and there's nothing wrong with that. Or I want a, nicer, a little bit nicer car and there's nothing wrong with that as well. I want to have nicer clothes. And, and again, none of those things are wrong. But don't allow the desire of those things to take your mind off of what really matters, which is the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? So again, it's, it's a point of when Paul's talking about it, it's, it's the citizenship is in heaven. It's again, keeping your heavenly focus on of where your destination is. Again, if we go back into chapter one of where our inheritance is, our inheritance isn't here. Our inheritance is in heaven, and that's what we're waiting for. And don't allow those things of this world to confuse you and to stop you from being able to focus on there. Therefore, do not get caught up in the desires of this world. And, and what are these desires? Well, he mentions them in chapter 4, and we'll be there in, in several weeks at this point. But in 1 Peter 4, 3, it says, For you have spent enough time in the past, talking to them, in the past doing what pagans chose to do. And again, like I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, maybe some of us have a different lifestyle that we lived before we were Christians, and maybe we were doing things that we shouldn't be doing and seeing things and, and drinking things and stuff like that that we shouldn't have been doing. Well, I think he's talking to those people as well, too. He says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Well, what are those things? Well, it's living in debauchery, it's, it's lust, it's drunkenness, it's orgies, it's, it's carousing, and it's detestable idolatry. 
And, he goes, and I, you guys know what Peter's talking about because we see the same things today. Again, so many times we want to look at the Bible and go, oh, it's not relative, it's not up to date, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mold to what today's society is. Well, I'm pretty sure that list we could find anywhere within our country today. Probably many of us have done those things in the past. But what Peter is saying is, is, is again, as the pagans live that way, again, don't get off track and start looking at somebody else and thinking that they've got it or that's the way that I need to live. Peter's encouraging them, please don't do that. But Paul says in Philippians 2.15, it says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in a universe. So it's again, as, as we walk our walks, we're supposed to live in such a manner that again, that we're blameless, that we're pure, that we're watching the things that we do, we're watching the way that we act towards other people. And then again, it says that to you, in which you shine like stars in the universe. Shine like stars in the universe. Why? Because of the things that I'm doing or reflecting? No, because it's, it's just the Lord's image is just coming off of you and it's just shining to other people. A lot of times we don't have to proclaim the gospel. Again, as we continue in this message, if you live a certain lifestyle and if you do certain things, the, the light of God is just going to emit from you. And people will see it. And you will shine like stars in the universe. Well, what are these good deeds that he's talking about so that we can glorify God? Well, there's four different ones that, we're, that he mentions which in submission here. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about is, is submission tonight, Okay. So the first one that we see is going to be human authority, and what we're supposed to do is to submit to human authority. So verse 13 and 14, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent to him by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So again, submit. Submit is to obey. It's to be subject to. Um, this is a really a popular word for Americans to have. You know, we like to submit in America. We're like, yeah, give us some more submission, you know. Um, that's why we throw tea in the, the, the harbor and things like that. That's why we rise up because Americans just don't like to do that. Well, Peter knows that, and he knows that it's a hard topic to hear because, again, the area that he's writing to is part of the Roman providence that they have at this moment. Okay, so again, we have our understanding as far as what America is like, but I don't think we really have a concept of what it was like to live in Rome during that time, and especially in an area that was out in the outer outskirts of where it was. And so Peter says, look, again, these people have been receiving this letter, and they're being persecuted by a governing authority. Why do I do these things? Why do I have to do this? Well, he says it's for the Lord's sake is why you submit. You don't submit again because you like that person or that you care for that person. The reason that we do anything within your life, again, listen, the reason you do anything in your life is for the Lord's sake. It's to give him glory. The reason I love my wife is, I, I love my wife, but I love her for the Lord's glory. I love my kids and I take care of them because of for the Lord's glory. I show up and do a hard day's work at, at school. Why? Because it's for the Lord's glory. I study ahead of time for a message that I'm going to give that he's ultimately in charge of, hopefully, for the Lord's glory, not for Kevin's. And so again, as you turn those things around and you understand that we submit ourselves for the Lord's sake, 
Well, then doesn't that t- take the pressure off of you as far as what your opinions are and things that you want to do in life? Well, Peter knows this is a hard topic to hear. Again, the people that are receiving this letter are being persecuted by this governing authority. And so I, I don't know about you guys, but I can do a lot for the Lord. And why can I do a lot for the Lord? Well, it's all about the perspective again, because again, if we go back to the last couple messages, again, it's understanding all that the Lord has done for us. And I think this is important because if I'm going to do it for the Lord's glory, then I have to understand why that I'm doing it. Why do I truly love the Lord? And why do I understand all that he has done for me? Again, so let's go back to it again. All the things we started off with. Why? Because we're elected. We've been chosen. I mean, you guys should just be able to, to recite this message yourself at some point here. We have an inheritance in heaven, which is our salvation. Again, the, the fact that the Lord created us and has just given us life is enough. I mean, it's more than what you deserve anyways. But then on top of that, what the Lord has done is says, you know what? I love you that much. I'm, gonna give, I'm also going to provide you salvation, and you get to stay in heaven with me forever. I mean, do you understand that? I mean, again, it's, it's not just the fact that if, if we just got life, we should honor and praise the Lord anyways. Even if we we're going to go to hell, even if we just disappeared and we were nothing, the fact that he just spoke and we were able to have life is amazing enough. But then the fact that he provided salvation on top of that, that I get to go to heaven forever, that changes the perspective, doesn't it? We've been challenged to be holy, and, and we're, we're living stones, and we're, we're part of the royal priesthood, and we're part of the spiritual church. So not only has he given us life, and then he then has promised us to be in heaven with him forever, again, he's given us work to do while we're here. He's given us purpose to live within life. So as you take all those things in, and then his, as he then sits there and asks you to do something, well, the world would look at that and go, see, God just... He's putting confines into your life, man. He's, he's holding you down. Well, no, no, he's not. I mean, God has done so much for me. Life, salvation, heaven someday, a purpose to, to live, the fact that he loves me, he cares for me. Well, God, when Peter writes something like this and says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, well, submit myself to who then? For your sake, Lord, I, I'm willing to do anything. Again, Romans 12, 1 and 2, again, my life, this is living sacrifice, God. What, what is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you want me to submit to? Well, back to verse 13, it says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, to, to the governors who are sent to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Again, it's to punish is, is the act of seeking retribution for a victim of a crime. And, and, and again, that would be the law enforcement or, or to commend is describing the quality and action of praise and honor. It's, it's to give honor to somebody who has done right. And again, going back to Peter, Peter knew again who he was writing to and understanding that they were under Roman authority and that current Roman authority was Nero. And when people say that Nero was like crazy, that's, that's like an understatement of who Nero truly was. Again, you know, I explained in the first message, the first time I talked about this, is it, it, he burns all of Rome down for the sole desire to rebuild it. He just liked to have building programs, and he wanted to rebuild it the way that he wanted to do it. When he started getting pushback, well, then he decided he was going to blame the Christians because then that would be his out. 
Well, then all the Romans and there was persecution against the Christians. Well, because look what you just did to our city. You burned it down. And to the point eventually where what he does is then he uses Christians, he uses martyrs and, and uses as, as candle lamps for his, his gardens. He would cover them in wax and, and set them on fire. You're like, that's crazy. Yeah. He uses them for, for, for sport within the Colosseum to be able to kill them and to, to, to use them as pleasure. These are the early martyrs of the church that, that eventually they give their life because of just the faith that they have within Christ and for one sick man's desire to have pleasure. Well, Nero's not a good guy. As they're reading this letter, I'm sure from Peter, they're, they're having a hard time understanding it. Why would Peter ask us to submit to that person? Well, it's not just Peter. Paul continues this idea. Paul states in Romans 13, he says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do, not do, want, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason." They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Can I just sum it up as whomever is an authority has been placed there by God? Well, Kevin, it doesn't kind of make sense. I don't, I don't really like that. I don't like that idea. Well, if you look over all of history in the Bible, there were many times when the Israelites were, were doing things that were wrong, and what would God do? He would rise up another nation to go in and to, to get them right. He would, either, he would either have them killed off, or he would take them into captivity. He would use these other rulers to bring them in to punish the Israelites. Those were all under authority, under God. He rose them up to do that. So verse 15 again as we move on, it says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So by us living and doing what God has asked us to do, we quiet the talk of foolish unbelievers. Again, I'm not trying to be political, but this obviously applies to today. It applies in a, in a, in a day where there's such division within a certain country called America that again, you, you, everybody shies away from these conversations. I mean, you could have Thanksgiving with your family and you're like, do not bring up the one topic that we don't wanna talk about, which is politics. You could be going at Christmas time or whatever time that your family gets together, even at those moments, everybody shies away from it because it's just a topic right now within this country that nobody wants to talk about. So whether you like or do not like the last set of presidents, and I'll include that with an S, God has allowed them to be your president. Because again, it's not our will be done, but it's God's will that's gonna be done. So what he has done is he's crafted these men to be intertwined within our life and within our country 
I personally think, because of the sin within the people within the country. So he's used these men to, to craft us and to shape us and to be able to answer some of the prayers of what some have asked for and answer some of the prayers of what others have asked for. But I'm telling you right now, God has been the one that is in charge and has allowed them to be your president. Now, we're not to follow their laws if they're contrary to God's law, obviously. So again, if we had a ruler within this country now, right now, and it wouldn't be a ruler, it would be a president, and they passed all these laws and asked us to do things that were contrary to what the Bible asked us to do. Well, obviously, you don't do that. God's law is obviously greater than what other laws would be passed on top of that. We see this in Acts 4.19, and we see this in Acts 5.29. But Jesus said also to pay Caesar what is Caesar's and to pay God what is God's. So what does that mean to us? It means to pay your taxes. It doesn't mean to pay more than you're supposed to pay, okay? I'm not, I'm not for that. But you should pay your taxes. Why? Because... Pay Caesar what Caesar is due. Verse 16, it continues, it says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves and, and show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Did you know that we're the freest people in the world? And I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about as, as Christians. Did you realize as a Christian, you are the freest person in this planet? We're not bound by sin anymore. Again, sin doesn't have a control over our life. Sin doesn't have a control over our destiny anymore. As a Christian, I can actually live however I want to live. I've been forgiven. And it's by choice and understanding of what that sin has done and what it costs as far as Jesus' blood that I choose not to do those sins. So as a, as a free person, I am able to, to live life to the freedom, to the to freest that I can. It's true freedom. Martin Luther said, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to no one. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all who is subject to all. See, again, I have the freedom to do nothing, but the inner side of me understands as a Christian that, man, I, I really need to serve other people. I, I see people that are in need or I see people that have got things that are going on and my, my heart breaks for the fact that they need help and I want to do more. See, again, in, my, in my, my freedom, I don't have to do anything. But because I have an understanding of my freedom, man, I, I'm willing to give to be able to do what that person needs as well. Again, live in such a manner that represents that, but do not use your faith to deceive others for personal gain. I have many, many car stories. I used to be in a car dealer, um, still am for, I think, another two months. Um, so, but tons of car stories, and I know there's another gentleman in the, in the congregation right now who is currently as a car dealer, but um, I, I won't go there, but there's a lot of car stories. Obviously, just because you show up to a car dealer and the guy has a couple of scripture verses that he can tell you, you know, don't always follow along and think that he's a believer, Again, because some use that deception to be able to entwine somebody else. Don't allow your freedom to be able to then to be able to twist and to deceive somebody else. Live in such a way to influence all those around you. So again, as we live our life, as we've talked the last couple of weeks of, of, of living and being holy, well, we're supposed to live our life in such a way that it actually attracts other people, that people see that within our freedom. 
We see Joseph living that way, and he was second in charge of all of Egypt. Did you know Pharaoh was a pagan ruler? I mean, so as, 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 as Joseph is living a godly life and he's following along what the Lord has called him to do, even the pagan ruler looked at Joseph and said, you know what I'm gonna do? I, I need to use you because, man, you have got some kind of touch on your life, some kind of information, some kind of knowledge that you have that, man, I'm gonna put you as second in charge of everything. Daniel as well, Daniel 6, it says, King Darius passed away, passed a law that, that you were unable to worship anybody but him. Did Daniel then bow down to, Dan, to, to the king? No. What Daniel said is, I'm still going to bow down to my God. He did it three times a day. And it was a trap so that they could find him and then they could turn him in and try to get him killed. But, but Daniel still worshiped and honored the Lord. Paul writes in a dungeon in Rome and he's writing this and he says that he brags about the fact that he's witness to all of the palace guard. So even in, when he's sitting within Rome, he's sitting within an area that, that is just not Christian at all and not religious at all as far as the persecution, he is still witnessing and influencing others. So again, Christian, can you submit for God? Can you look at whatever the lifestyle that you're in or wherever that you're at right now and can you sit there and look at it? And again, for the Lord, I am willing to submit to the authorities that he's placed above me. Verse 17, again, it says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and to honor the emperor. Again, can we do this? Can we respect? Can we give recognition? Can we show honor to everyone? To everyone? It's kind of hard at times, isn't it? The person that cuts you off in the road, a person who's bumping you in the, with their cart in Target, or, or the person who says something on TV that you don't like. I mean, it's, it's those kinds of people. Can you... Can you show honor and respect to everyone? Can you love the family of believers? Can you love everyone in this room? Even for some of us who are a little quirky at times? I mean, I mean, we're still a family, and so we, we all love each other, and we all know that, but, but can, we, can we love each other? Can we do that for each other? Can we fear God? Can we give reverential obedience? I like that definition, by the way. Can you give reverence to the Lord? Well, surely we can. And Kevin, again, you've mentioned it like five times at this point that, again, we've been elected by him and we have salvation by him and he's given us to be a royal priesthood and he's used us to be part of this. Of course I can. Again, Peter denied him three times in one night after the Lord challenged him on that. So what does that mean for us? It means that we need to be prayed up and be ready for those opportunities. Because what happens if things do go south within our country? Again, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, again, is I'm, I'm one of those weird guys that I don't mind, wouldn't mind a little persecution within the Christian church in America. I think it would make us stronger. I think that we would, we would really have a desire and an understanding of our word better. We would really appreciate these times that we have together, that we would really be able to, to bow down and, and have prayer time with each other. I mean, we would just absolutely just cherish those opportunities just a little persecution, but I don't think would be bad. Can you give the obedience and the, the reverence that the Lord deserves? More importantly, can you honor the emperor? Can you show respect? 
Can you, can you turn the TV off at times or turn the AM radio off or turn off whatever that you're listening to because you know it's counterproductive to what the mindset that I need to have towards the situation that I'm in? Can, can you do that for God? Can you honor the emperor, but more importantly, make sure that you fear the king of kings? We do everything that we do for the king of kings. It doesn't matter who's been voted in. It doesn't matter who's in charge. We know who sits on the real throne, which is God. And that's who we serve. And for him, I am willing to submit to whoever he's asked me to submit to. Second part that we're going to move on to is going to be slaves and masters. It's number two, slaves and masters. Starts in verse 18. It says, slaves in reverent fear of God, again, Submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. The slaves here is, is the term is kind of more like a, it's like a servant, okay? Um, and understandably in this country, uh, the terminology for slave is um, probably a little harsher than it was mostly at that time. I mean, there were still bad masters at that time. There were still beatings that happened. I don't think to the degree probably is what we see it as, as today, or we had seen in this country a couple hundred years ago, not today. Um, but in society, many of those slaves actually kind of lived better than some of the free people at the time. You know, they were really taken care of well, and they actually had nice places to sleep within the, the, their owners' houses, and they, they actually wore some nicer clothes than most of the people that were on the streets. But again, it's, it's the slaves is the servant. It's, it's to submit to one's control. So again, but you're still not living a free life. So I'm not putting like some like, you know, cherry on top cake type thing that this is a great way to live. You were still submitting to somebody else's desires of what they wanted you to do within your life. The obvious application for us is someone who's working for somebody else and that somebody else would be a boss, okay? So most of us have either in that position now or have been in that position before, and some of us have maybe been the, the, the employee and have been the employer, but the implication is that the servants are saved here, and some of the bosses that he's talking about are not, and you see that in the way that they act here. So we've all had bosses and some that we've really, really liked, we're like, man, I would just do anything for that guy. You know, probably the teachers at the school right now, they feel that way about the, the new principal that they've got. They're like, that guy is just, I would just do anything for that guy, you know. Tomorrow will be a rough day here, but um, be rebellion everywhere. No, so, um, but we've all had a boss that we have liked before, okay? And that boss probably has been somebody who's been part of what you're doing. They're, they're more of the roll the sleeves up. You kind of like that. You appreciate the leadership skills that that person is showing. And you're willing to kind of do anything for that person. But we've had those that are harsh. And those ones that are harsher is, is corrupt and they're, they're morally crooked. And there's somebody who you're just like, man, I cannot wait until my next job and I'm out of here, you know? Unfortunately, there's times where you've been in a job where you were unable to leave. You know, you've been in that job because I, don't, I have to put food on the table for my family and you're unable to move on. Well, Peter goes on in verse 19 and 20, he says, for it is commendable, okay, commendable means it conveys the sense of a gift of kindness and favor given to a person. So it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious, they are perceiving of God. But now it is to your credit if you receive a beating, now is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? 
But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. So as Christian workers, and just a couple quick things that I wrote down, it's not an exclusive list as far as this, and, but as Christian workers, there's three things that I just wrote down that we should be as a Christian worker, okay? If you're working right now in the world or within the church or somewhere else, these are three things as you're a Christian that you should be. You should be, and listen to me, the best workers that they have. Okay, it doesn't mean that you're the most talented, okay? There are just people who have a talent for whatever they're doing, and you just, you can't get over that, okay? We should be the best workers that they have. We should be able to put in 40 hours. If it's a 40-hour week, okay, you put in 40 hours. It means that you show up, you do your job. You're not sitting by the coffee pot for a couple hours catching up what happened to the game this weekend. You're not extending your break a little bit longer. You're not showing up 10 minutes late, leaving 10 minutes early. Though Those are not things that Christian workers do. Colossians 3.22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. And can I just say this? You're working for the Lord. Again, you're not working for that boss who's giving you the check at the end of the week. You're working for the Lord. So again, my illustration last, a couple weeks ago was if God was going to be there for breakfast the next morning, what would you do? Well, we'd all be up early. We'd have coffee, tea, everything set up. If you really knew that God was the one that was going to be there the next day for, at your job, you'd be there 15 minutes early. You'd be like, hey, do you want me to work through my lunch today? You know, I got a couple things I can do. Do you want me to put in a little extra time? I'm, I'm happy to do that. You know, you wouldn't be stealing their stamp to put it on your bill that you're getting ready to mail, stuff like that. I mean, all those little things that we kind of do because, well, everybody kind of does that. Well, not Christians, though. Christians, we're there to do a job. And, and can I even say they take this one step further? I think it was Larry Burkett that I had read a long time ago. You don't witness on their time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like evangelism is not paid by your job. So if you want to evangelize, show up early. Do it during your lunch break or stay afterwards or invite them to a Wednesday night service or a Sunday morning service. Find your opportunities to witness. But while you're working, guess what you're doing? You're working. Why? Because that's what he deserves. He, he, he or she is paying you for those 40 hours. He's expecting 40 hours worth of work. I think it was Alan Redpath. I heard his testimony at one point. And fantastic. If you don't know who Alan Redpath is, taught Moody Bible College, I think, back in the 70s. I think it's something like that. But fantastic. You should just go online and listen to all of his old stuff, buy his old books and all. They're just, they're wonderful. But he was talking about his testimony. He worked for an accounting firm. I think it was an accounting firm in, in England and um, wasn't saved at the time. And he and a group of guys of his were, were just doing stuff in the world. They were out drinking at lunchtime and all this other stuff. And so there was this one Christian that they were just getting frustrated because he was just making them look bad. You know, he's like the kind that shows up 15 minutes early to, to work, and then he's staying after work, and he's doing all, and we just had had enough, and we were going to get this guy fired. He said, so I went on a trip with him for a business trip, and we go to this hotel, and he goes, and I, my job was to find ways to, to be able to do that. He said, so we're getting there, and we show up to the hotel that one night. He said, and, and you know, we have conversation, then he says, hey, I'm going to pray. He goes, well, I'm going to pray too. So this guy gets down and he goes and he starts praying and, and I keep looking up like, when's he going to stop? Because he's not going to outpray me, you know, like, and so he's sitting there at the bed and he keeps looking and he's like, it's an hour later and this guy's still praying. So he finally gets to the end of it and where he ends up then asking him if he wants to accept the Lord. 
off on his own time, Alan Redpath, trying to get this guy fired, accepts Jesus as his savior. And you should listen to the rest of it because the rest of the story, maybe if I'm here another five, six weeks continuing this, we'll, we'll hear the rest of it as well too, but it's, it's a fantastic story. And Alan Redpath is just one of these pillars within the church that if you were to listen to, you were just, it's just amazing that that's where he came from. But do you understand who was making him look bad was the Christian that was working the 40 hours a week. The next thing that we should be, number two, is we should be honest. I mean, is that not obvious? As a Christian, you shouldn't be lying. You know, the old joke is that a Christian worker shows up one way at church on Sunday, but then Monday through Friday, they're a different person, you know? They're lying, they're cheating, they're stealing, they're doing whatever they can because that's the way that the world does business. But that's not the way that Christians do business. You should be honest. You should be reputable. Somebody, if you say something to somebody, they, they know that that's what you're actually going to do. Again, I've joked around before, and I've told you guys that in our business, in the car business, we were known as being too honest. You know, like, how are you too honest? So you're either honest or you're not honest, but we were too honest because we told people the truth, you know, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. We I used to work at a car dealership, and they had um, pooled all their money together for the lottery, okay? So I didn't take part of it, okay? And so they, they but the funny thing is, is they, among thieves, they couldn't trust each other. They handed me the lottery tickets, okay? So I went home that night, I hadn't paid a dime into this thing, and I had like over 100 lottery tickets. I mean, that next morning, we could have won, and Christine and I could have been out of here. Like, we, they would have, what could they have said? I mean, like, dude, I got the lottery tickets right here. I won. They couldn't trust each other, so they gave me the tickets. Are you honest? Does your character at work portray what you say that you do and you believe? Are you that honest person? Proverbs 11.1 says, The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. That was one of the verses I would use at Trinity Motors is that, you know, that I would always treat everybody the same way. Why? Because I knew that the Lord wanted balanced scales. He wasn't, I'm not going to favor somebody else over this, and I'm not going to give this person more because I less like them or I like their attitude or, you know, they tell a better story this time or whatever. It was, no, we're going to have honest scales here. I'm going to treat everybody the same. Is, is that your reputation that you're honest? Christian, can you, can you also be hopeful at work? Just, just hopeful. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. See, again, as, as things go either south in your business and everybody's gossiping and, and, and giving the tea and talking to each other, do, do you remove yourself from that? Do you bring in some kind of hope and saying, hey, look, we, we need to support what's going on here? Or if somebody's having a bad day, are you the person that comes alongside and, and gives them the encouragement, even if they're that person that nobody wants to talk to? Oh, we don't talk to that guy. He's a little strange. Do you go over and talk to that person? Somebody needs help because their, their marriage is falling apart or there's something that's, I had a, a really good friend of mine. He um, was an engineer at a firm over in Fort Lauderdale and he, um, we're meeting and we're talking, you know, we had accountability together and he was like, hey, you just need to pray for this guy. He and his wife, they're, they're, they're splitting um, and he's actually staying at my house. He's living on my couch and um, we're just really trying to witness into him. He's a really nice guy and um, eventually this guy comes into the Lord. That's all that I hear. I don't hear anything else about it. Um, I move over here to Sarasota like six years later, something like that. 
okay, Sarasota of all places. I go to this little church that I was at for a long time, and so this guy walks in, and he's like, oh, you're from, I was from Fort Lauderdale. I'm like, really, you're from Fort Lauderdale? Oh, my goodness. So I just talking to him about the church and stuff like that, and he goes, oh, do you know such and such? I'm like, yeah, I know such and such. He goes, oh, my goodness. He goes, he was such a blessing in my life. Actually, got me to know the Lord. I was sleeping on his couch. I'm like, you what? Like, I didn't know the guy in Fort Lauderdale. I had to move all the way to Sarasota to find out that he had moved there. He and his wife were together. They'd had two more kids at that point. I mean, it was just amazing that here, this person being hopeful at work, not being like, man, leave her, get rid of her, get a new one, trade her in, get something different, you know? No, he was, he was like, no, listen, don't listen to those guys, you know, to the extent, you know what I'm gonna do? I, I talked to my wife, you can, you can sleep on our couch. You can stay here with us. And he just continues to pour into this guy's life and pour into this guy's life, and he leads him to the Lord. His wife gets saved, his kids get saved, got a wonderful family, works for a huge company now. I mean, just doing tremendous because he was faithful. He probably was also one of the best workers that they had, and he was also probably very honest. Again, if we're going to shine like stars, it doesn't take much. Somebody I know one told me, you know what the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is? It's just a little extra. It doesn't take much in this society, to stand out and shine like stars. It just takes you being willing to submit to God and to do what he's called you to do. Again, he's done all the hard work. He's elected us, he's saved us, he's, he's, he's anointed us, he's, he's made us priesthood, he's, 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 he's done all this, he's given us an inheritance in heaven. And what does he ask you to do? Therefore, if you receive persecution or harassment for doing what is right, well, then praise the Lord. If you're, you're like, man, Kevin, I just keep doing these things, and they're just picking on me, they're making fun of me, well, praise God, man. I mean, you, good. That means you're doing something. You're standing out. But if you're doing wrong, well, then there's no crazy. There's no credit for that. <laughs> Getting ready to be crazy. You are crazy. No. There's no credit for that. If you're lazy and you're gossiping and you're being disrespectful, well, then guess what? You deserve that. Well, who is our example then, Kevin? Who should we look at to be able to kind of figure this stuff out as far as being a worker and all? Well, Peter moves on in verse 21. He says, if you, were, if you were called because of Christ suffered for you, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. We talked about that a couple of weeks as well too. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Well, who is our example? Obviously, it's Christ. Well, Christ is our example. And Kevin, he's perfect. <laughs> it's rough. But what abuse could we possibly face in comparison to what Peter has just mentioned here? What abuse can you possibly take 
that would compare to what Christ took on the cross. Remember, Peter saw it. Peter walked with him for three years. Peter lived with him. Peter saw that he was honest, saw that how, how Christ was living, that there was no sin. He, he, he was solemn that night that he got arrested. You guys talked about that as well, too. Peter, Peter knew this. He told this church that, again, it's, it's wonderful for the fact that you have not met him, but yet you still believe in him. Peter's like, well, I walked with him for three years. So when I make statements like this, and Peter saw him in verse 22, he, he walked with Jesus and did not see him sin, but he saw him live a holy and perfect life. He was with him every single day. Even when it was hot out, even when the, 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 the people were just overbearing on him, and he had to be, I mean, even Moses at one point strikes a rock because he, the people had just wore him down, where he just was like, I can't do it anymore. Not Jesus. Verse 23, he had heard the insults, yelled at Christ, and he obeyed the command of the Father. Can, can you imagine that we're coming up on Easter and Good Friday? Just Can you imagine being on the cross? You're, you're, you've just been beaten for no reason. You, you've had to carry this cross out there. You can barely make it up there. They bring you up. You, you're almost already dead as it is. And then they're hurling insults at you. And these are the people that you're saving. Lord, I, I give it to them. Lord, don't, don't, don't hold them accountable for it. Just Christ on the cross, and receiving the insults, and they're hurling at him, and they're yelling at him, and he just, because of love, he doesn't respond. He could have called down angels. He could have just got off the cross. I mean, there's so many things that Christ could have done at that moment, and, and we in our flesh would have been like, that's it, I'm done. You know, like, I'm wiping you out. We're gonna, we're gonna start something different here, Lord. I'm just, I'm, you know, we're, we're hitting reset on this because I'm, I'm tired. Not Christ. In verse 24, he took the sins of the world so that we could be redeemed. Again, it wasn't the fact that we just have a savior, it's that we have a redeemer, that Christ redeemed us. That's amazing grace. Verse 25, it says, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. <clears throat> He reminds us of the salvation that we received. And again, reminding us that at one point we were walking away because of what Christ did. He called us back. So Christian, tonight, are you able to submit for God? Not just submit to God, but in light of everything that he's done for you, and like the way he continues to work in you every single day. He answers your prayers. He talks to you. He, he comforts your soul. He comforts you in ways that, that no man or woman ever could. Are you willing to submit for God? We've talked about two submissions, and, and there are more. But tonight, the most important question is probably is where are you at right now with your, with your walk with the Lord? You know, in a group like this, and I know it's a Wednesday night, and I know that probably all, if not most of us, are saved. Well, then tonight, if you are saved, and I know I keep saying this every single week, 
but I can't be the only one up here. If there's things that you need to talk about, if there's prayer that you need, please, I'm willing to stay here. We can call other pastors up, elders, whatever we need to do. We're happy to pray for you. Allow this to be a night where you're able to say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I really do want to get things right. I've been running from you and I've been doing things and I've been acting like a Christian, and I've, but, but tonight, no, it's different. Tonight is the night that, God, I want to get back on track with you. Everybody thinks I'm living the perfect life and I'm the nice guy and I'm a Christian and all, but, I, but Lord, I'm not, and you know that. Well, then tonight, after we get done, come up, we'll pray with you. If tonight you're, you're not a Christian, you, maybe you've heard the word several times or maybe this is the first time you've heard it. And again, the same thing, and today is the day of salvation. You know, tomorrow is not promised. So you can't say, hey, look, and you know what, next week I'll do it or just before I die, I'll do it. Well, tomorrow's not promised. And tonight could be your night that the Lord calls you home. Are you ready to meet that person? Are you ready to meet God at that moment? Well, if you're not, then come forward as well, too. We'd be happy to pray with you, happy to walk you through it, and, and to bring you to that point where you would have salvation. You'll be elected, you'll have salvation, you'll have an inheritance in heaven. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful of the fact of what the Lord is willing and wanting to do for you. So again, I urge you, don't leave tonight. If it's prayer that you need to get back on track, if it's the fact that I don't know the Lord, I need to, I want to accept him this evening. Please come forward. Don't, don't leave here knowing that you've had the opportunity to do this. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord. Again, you are just faithful is too light of a word to describe who and what you are. God, the way that you love us, the way that you continue to care for us, the way that you watch over us, the way that you continue to be patient with us. Lord, we thank you for your son and the fact that he submitted to you, was willing to die for our sins. So tonight, God, I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, to be able to, again, continue to die to ourselves, Lord, to our wants, to our desires, to our thoughts. Help us to submit to the King of kings, Lord, which is you. We ask this in your name. Amen.